Hi, this is Graham Keane. Welcome to this podcast about how to uncover, hone, attract and retain talent. Talent is the thing which is going to make the biggest impact on your business in the coming years. The people who win the contest for talent are ensuring that the future development of their organisation is in the best possible hands. And as we know, organisations are all about the people that constitute them. So let's get into how we can create the sort of culture and environment which is going to enable us to win the talent contest. I want to start by talking about the, the nature of being human. Human beings are basically a brain. That's a weird thing to say, perhaps, because it feels to us very much like we're actually a body because so much of what goes on in our life is about the sensations that we're experiencing. But the actual fact of the matter is that everything we do experience, all of our emotions, everything that drives and motivates us, all our hopes, all our fears, all of our memories, all of our goals, all of our present, current, real-time experience, all of that happens in the brain. So to many neuroscientists, it's a very small step to regard our bodies as a receptacle for the brain to make sure that it's fed and protected and that it moves about where it needs to move to and in particular to make sure that it reproduces so future generations are created of brains that include our DNA. And those thoughts are relevant to what we're talking about here because so much of getting it right with talent depends on nurturing the psychology of the talent that we wish to attract, develop, retain, improve, and depends on the psychology of the people who are responsible for doing all of those things. So getting this psychological aspect of that right has a vastly greater impact than anything else we can do. So let's take these uh, things in turn in, in three sections. So let's talk about uncovering talent. So uncovering talent, finding it, is, is largely about releasing the potential which is lying dormant, which is latent in the people that we already have in our organisations. Now, as you're aware, most human beings, or maybe you're not aware, most operate well within our peak level of contribution and performance. And we have limited ideas about what we're capable of, and they trap us between an unnecessary glass ceiling beneath these limiting beliefs. And it's not because human beings are short of courage or vision, or because we consciously undervalue our own worth. No, it happens through an unconscious process which results from all of our life experiences teaching us that sometimes, perhaps even often, we don't get the outcomes we're hoping for. It's an absolute fundamental truth of the human condition that no amount of striving, wanting, willpower and goal setting will enable us to exceed those unconscious limiting beliefs except for the briefest moments in time. So releasing latent potential begins with individuals grasping both intellectually and emotionally that they're genuinely capable of much more than they might think. I mean, the claims of the positive thinking movement in the 1780s and, and before were unfounded when they said anybody could be anything. But when you actually look at 
how much difference there is between what people are genuinely capable of and what they might happen to be achieving right now. It is vast. You know, we're talking about, for instance, the ability to impact our analytical reasoning skills. If we happen to be an average male, the figures for females are slightly different. But the difference that this stuff can make is the difference between being in literally the bottom 2% um, or the top 1.5% of intellectual ability. Sometimes all it takes is to remind people of those that they know, friends, colleagues, family members, where they actually see more in their friend than that person does in themselves. And then just to point out that they are the same, that there are loads of other people in the world who see more in them than they do themselves. Or you can talk about the science. It's then a relatively simple step to teach people how to replace their limiting beliefs with more accurate self-knowledge that is a much truer reflection of our real potential. And the process for achieving that is something called cognitive restructuring, which you can find in my articles around and about, and I think I covered it slightly in the previous podcast. When we get people closer to their true potential, there are, as you would expect, big range of benefits. Obviously, improving key individuals' performance is good for their employer. And equally, it's, it's good for them themselves. The, the sense of mastery and a sense of achievement, the growing confidence in one's ability to, to accomplish the aspirational goals, all of this is, is deeply inspiring. It is nothing less than transformational. So working for an employer that gives you such life-enhancing opportunities and experience is a truly wonderful thing. People become enthusiastic ambassadors for their organization. They evangelize about it. And that, of course, is a, is a magnet to attracting other talented people. So teaching people how to get through their false limiting beliefs to achieve much more of what they're genuinely capable of and giving them that real-time sense of constant growth, in other words, genuinely uncovering people's untapped potential, is a massive contributor to how we do in the talent contest. So the next thing I said I was going to talk about is, is actually how we hone talent. And over the last three decades or more, we've had repeated research results showing that the most important workplace skill is actually emotional intelligence. Now this is, in case you need a refresher, the ability to understand and manage your own shifting emotions and to have a feel for the views and emotions of other people and in particular to be able to regulate our own impact on them. So when I say it's the most important workplace skill, where does that come from? Well, it turns out that it is about performance enhancement, it's about adding value to the employer, it's about the the single most key factor in the effectiveness of leadership. It's a, a set of learnable skills that deliver the biggest benefits in terms of improving teamwork, followership, influencing others, and indeed in selling. All research results. So the key word from that sentence is learnable. Now, a lot of emotional intelligence training focuses on behavior, and this, without doubt, adds massive value, but it may not address a fundamental point. And this is that of the two aspects of emotional intelligence, ourselves and others, the latter, others, is by far the most 
challenging for us to get right. It depends on learning to focus on the other person. Not, not just when things are going well, but, but when you're facing challenging, adverse circumstances. And the reason it's so tough is that, is that in that situation, what happens to human beings is that we unconsciously and automatically, actually, it's autonomic, we centre our awareness upon ourselves. So we lose the focus on other people, which is an essential component of emotional intelligence. So this inbuilt vulnerability can actually cause us to lose our emotional effectiveness. So in order to guard against that, what we need to do is, is build two things. Firstly, resilience, which means that we're much less likely to be thrown off by adverse circumstances, and high self-esteem, which means that it's much easier for us to focus on others. People with self-esteem challenges, of course, need, and do indeed, to spend a lot of time thinking about themselves, adjusting themselves, fixing themselves, coping with stuff. Whereas when our self-esteem is very high, that's much less of an issue, and therefore it's much more automatic to focus on other people. So resilience and self-esteem. Interventions that boost those two qualities add huge amounts of values, and they, and they do so in two ways. Firstly, by honing the skills of the people responsible for developing talent in the organisation, improving their leadership, influencing skills, their resonance, their empathy. So they get better at developing talent, and they are a more welcome place for talent to find themselves and their company. And the second way is, of course, improvement amongst talent pool members themselves, teaching them how to optimise their burgeoning effectiveness in leadership, in teaming, in influencing, and in business development. So all in all, we are beginning to see how you can make a massive difference to the talent effectiveness of an organisation by working on resilience and self-esteem. Okay, so the, th the third thing I said I was going to talk about then is attracting and retaining talent. Now, the guy who, who put emotional intelligence not only on the psychological map, but on the commercial learning and development map is a professor in the US called Daniel Goldman. And he added a lot of understanding about organisational behaviour. But the stuff that we're particularly interested in this discussion is one of his key findings, which is that the key relationship in organisations, if you are looking at which relationship impacts job satisfaction and impact how long an employee stays with their employer. The key relationship is the supervisor relationship, the person that they report to routinely on day-to-day -day matters. Now, digitization and communication technology has leapt forward in great leaps in recent years. And one of the things that this has led to is the current job market situation, which means that Talent is more mobile than it's ever been before. You know, information about employers, including you and me, <laughs> is much more readily available. Multiple attractive job opportunities are much more visible to us, all through social media, recruitment platforms, and it goes on. I don't need to tell you about this. It could very well be part of why you decided you were going to invest the time in listening to this podcast. So talent is more mobile than than ever before. And not only that, but talented people, because 
of the, the ease of choice and the range of choice both being expanded, turns out that they are both more choosy than in the past and good for them, but also they are much less tolerant of circumstances they think can be improved upon. And talent has always voted with its feet when it becomes un unhappy, and that, and that continues now. Now, we have a need to respond to the rapidly evolving circumstances if we want to continue to be somebody who's winning in the, in the, in the, the talent acquisition contest. And that means we have to look at how we can modify the behaviour of supervisors and managers who are responsible for leading talented employees. We need to make sure that the values that are embodied in the leadership style of these guys are positive and attractive. You know, retaining talent goes far beyond creating appealing workplace environments and attractive benefits and great well-being programmes. It's far more important that people feel that they are respected, that they are fully valued for who they are, that their talent is recognised. And these are all things that they experience most of all through their supervisor relationship. And, and I've got to be honest, in my experience, the majority of leaders understand this very clearly, but not all, it must be said. But despite that, not all leaders are good at manifesting those values in their behaviour at all times. It's incredibly important to ensure that leaders' behaviour, particularly when facing extreme stress or other adverse conditions, it's incredibly important to make sure that they retain in their behaviour and their values at the core the respect and the grace that people, particularly highly mobile, talented people, expect in the workplace. So resiliently embedding modern and wholesome values in our junior leaders, our intermediate leaders, is incredibly important. And that is yet another application of cognitive restructuring, by which I mean that the way to resiliently embed these values so that they always come out in junior and intermediate leaders' behaviour is through the process of cognitive restructuring that I've already made reference to. It goes beyond that even, because the responsibility for treating others well in an organisation doesn't just live with the leaders, it extends to colleagues throughout the entire organisation. It turns out people are almost as sensitive to the pervasive culture of an organisation, the one embodied in all colleagues, as they are to the leadership values. And let's face it, Nobody's going to choose a critical or negative emotional climate over a positive one, a supportive one, if they have the option. And talent does have the option. It is part of why, en passant, that a, an enlightened, caring business culture has, has been known for well over 20 years now to deliver superior financial performance. So creating a positive and enlightened culture where talented people feel recognised and where they know that their skills, latent or otherwise, will be developed and where their supervisor relationships are always resonant is essential. Now, ten years ago, I would probably have said that this conveyed a great competitive advantage in the contest for attracting and retaining talent. But you know what? Things are moving so rapidly, I'm not so sure anymore. I think it's more of a hygiene factor. It's a sine qua non, in other words, without which nothing. It is something you have to do if you're serious about being a competitor in the talent game. So to conclude, there are 
I would imagine very few of us <laughs> listening to this that would argue with the wonderful and uplifting idea behind Kennedy's famous quote about country. And I would suggest, with a good degree of humility, that in the contest for talent, it actually behoves us to ask not what can talent do for our company, but what can our company, what can we do for our talent? So, if you might be interested in knowing more of this, I'm running a workshop in London in September for a couple of hours, uh, which includes how to create the right sort of talent culture. That's of interest. Ping me an email to sustained.change at grahamkeen.com and we'll be sure to let you have details once they've been finalised. And for more information generally about uh, these sort of ideas and our stuff, um, please go to blog.grahamkeen.com or on LinkedIn it's Graham Keen New Impetus or on Facebook it's forward slash New Impetus and until we next meet, I wish you every success in everything you're working to achieve.